Appreciate you being in the house of the Lord. You can be seated uh, tonight and just, you just go ahead and um, we're going to get into God's word tonight. I had something that kind of stirred me tonight. Uh, well, actually, past couple of days and then just through a conversation with someone, it just kind of brought the importance of it uh, back to me and I. You know, I feel like on Wednesday nights, if we, we, we can talk about things that will help us to be better uh, in the house of the Lord and, and serving God and, and things that will make our life easier or enrich it so that we can serve the Lord with gladness because the scripture tells us to do that. And so I want everything that God's got for me. There's no doubt about that. I want... Uh, everything that the Lord's got for me. And so um, I'm going to read tonight from Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, from verses 8 through 12, if you want to turn there while we're um, getting ready tonight, Ephesians 4, 8 through 12. Paul was uh, writing to this church, and you know this church was, uh, I, I believe, special to him, not saying any others were less special, but um, just the way he found this church, and you read some of how he came into Ephesus back in, in the book of Acts and different things, but uh, so much solid teaching straight to the church in, uh, in these scriptures. But in chapter 4, in verses, I'm going to read verse 8 through 12, He's referencing some different scriptures, but he says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might feel all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And tonight I want to uh, just talk about this for a few moments, that God gave us ministry. And uh, I'm thankful for the ministry tonight. Uh, this, you know, October, according to the world, they... This is, you know, Ministry Appreciation Month. Uh, sometimes they say pastor appreciation, but all ministry is, is important and, and not just pastoring. Pastoring, all the ministry, uh, different uh, forms of ministry take different roles. And an evangelist does not do the same thing that a pastor does, but that does not make what he does any less important. Uh, and so uh, these five what we call the five-fold ministry, these five areas of ministry, each one of them are uh, work in uh, sync to help the church. And so, but the important thing that we see is that God gave these things. And, and so uh, God gave us the ministry. And uh, we know that God is a giver. And uh, anybody would answer this question with a, a very sound yes if I ask you, do you want everything that God gave for you? You would say, absolutely. And we would because we know that God's a giver. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. The scripture said, ask and it shall be given. 
we know that there's a parable that the Lord gave talents unto men. And, and then uh, the scripture tells us that he gives very liberally, that he's generous. My cup runs over. Uh, try me and see if I won't pour you out a blessing that you cannot contain. Give and it shall be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God is always giving back uh, great blessings. It says that God gives us wisdom, understanding. He gives us joy, peace, love, mercy. You just keep going. Uh, all the things that we see in Scripture that He gives us, He gives us benefits daily. Uh, and what we love so much is that He gives us the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children, all who are far off. And so we know that we shall receive the gift. What do you do with a gift? You give it. Sometimes we keep it. <laughs> uh, we may buy something that's so good in the natural that we think, hey, I like this, I'll just keep this, and I'll buy them something else. But uh, God doesn't do that. He gives us the best, and he gave us the Holy Ghost, and with that came power. And so uh, we want all that God gives, and people often will say that, but then except the, they will kind of pull up short when we talk about ministry. Unless they're saying, I want God to give me a ministry, but it's oftentimes that they don't want God to give them a minister to minister to them. Uh, but the, the ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, are God-given. Now, if, uh, when I read in Scripture, I see that everything that God gives is good for every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of light. So uh, the things that God gives are like no other. His peace is not like any other. He said, I give you peace, not as the world gives, but I give you my peace. And uh, we know that uh, there is only one God. There's none beside him. So anything that he gives is a very unique gift because there's nothing that man can do that can duplicate what God gives, because we're not God. There's only one God, and when it comes from him, it's going to be great. And so he said, uh, the scripture said, now, if you're evil, but you know how to give good gifts to your children, well, how much more? And he begins to talk about the Lord giving us his Holy Spirit, giving us the Holy Ghost. And So if humans know how to give what we call good gifts, just think about how much Better are the things that God gives. The scripture says, eye has not seen, ear hasn't heard, or it hadn't even entered into our hearts the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Now, uh, he's not preparing something that he's not going to give us. So we trying to establish and make sure we all understand that if God gave it, it's good. And it's not only good, but it's for our good. It's for our use. It's so that we can overcome. Jesus said, I've given you power over all the power of the enemy. And, and so, uh, well, what is that power? Well, it's his name. We know that it's his name, but oftentimes it's, uh, it, it's ministry. Uh, how many times have you had a, a minister somewhere uh, preach a message that, man, it really touched you and helped you through what you were going through or it helped you to overcome or it helped you to realize hey, I'm not done. God still got something for me. It, it encouraged you. It lifted you up. It maybe it corrected you. Maybe people say, well, it got on my toes. You know, well, did it? Good. Because if, if you needed it, then it should have. 
because we need uh, correction sometimes in our walk with God, and that's good because I would rather be corrected and stay on the path than uh, be undisciplined and be lost. So if God, give, if God gives it, it's going to be good. Everything that he gives us is good. It blesses us. It empowers us. It helps us. Well, that's the ministry. That's what happens. But because the ministry is uh, made up of humans, humanity, uh, then we often fail to see it as God-given because if God gives it, it will be perfect. That's where we're, we're at. We're thinking, well, it'll be perfect. But just because uh, you know, the word perfect sometimes means absolutely no flaws in it, nothing as in Jesus was perfect and we know that uh, he had no sin. But sometimes when it's perfect, it just means it's complete. It's got everything that you need. And so you think about, you think about David. David was the perfect king for Israel. Out of all his brothers, God said, no, not him, not him, not him, not him, not him, him. The little boy that they called out the pasture. He was the perfect king for Israel, but he was flawed. He made mistakes. He was appointed and he was anointed by God. He was a man after God's own heart, but he was human. And so uh, he may not have been perfect in the sense of being flawless, but he was the perfect king for Israel to lead them in the ways that they needed to go. And uh, as a matter of fact, the scripture says of David, the only place where he had a blemish at was where, uh, in the case where he took the man's uh, wife and had him killed to cover it up. So, um, so it's the same way in ministry. The minister may not be flawless, but the ministry is. The prophet Prophets, that's the office that God designed. If God designed prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers, if he, he designed that, it's flawless. But it's where a man can get in there and he can make the mistakes, but it doesn't uh, make, uh, you know, somebody says, well, a pastor hurt me, so I, I don't listen to any more pastors. Then you've got a flaw. Because just because... One pastor hurts you does not mean that the office of pastorship is flawed because we need pastors in our life. Now, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or blow my own horn because I'm the pastor of the church. I'm not like that, but uh, I've had conversations over the last few weeks with different people that uh, I realize that they are missing out because they will not allow uh, the voice of ministry in their life. Uh, they may have... Uh, a preacher that they can listen to, but they do not have a voice that they can counsel with or listen to or, or have any instruction given to them. But God has always designed uh, people, an office, to take care of the things of the body. Even in the Old Testament, he uh, said in, in Numbers 18 and 6, I didn't give you this scripture, sis, so don't worry about it, but that's where he said, I have chosen the Levites and set them aside for the tabernacle, for the service of the tabernacle. So uh, the Levites were there to work in the tabernacle where the presence of God dwelt to do all the services that needed to be done. Well, the fivefold ministry is uh, to perform all the services that are needed for the temple of the Holy Ghost where the presence of God dwells. But the Levites had to run a tight ship among themselves because God had 
rules and regulations for them. It's like, you can't do this, you can't do that. You've you got to understand there's, there's some things. If you're called to that office, to that ministry, then you are going to have to meet the guidelines. And when they did, everything was great, and everything was fine. Everything worked like it should, and Israel was blessed, and the people were blessed, and God kept pouring out on them. Uh, but if they got sideways or quit doing what they were supposed to do or started trying to do it their own way, there was a couple of guys that decided, hey, we're going to offer some strange fire, and God burned them up, killed them. But they're priests. Yeah, but you can't just do your own thing. And that's what I say. The office is flawless, but sometimes a man can get in there and flaw it. But, uh, but you don't need to, you know, the Israel didn't stop having priests after that. They just got some in there and said, look, you saw what happened. <laughs> just so you know, it'll happen to you too. Uh, so I'll be the first one to tell you that if you're going to be called to ministry, you need to strictly adhere to the guidelines that are set for ministry in Scripture. And make sure that you make your calling and election sure. That's what the Bible teaches us. Because when you are in ministry, you are, I mean, and all of us to some extent are ministers because we are all the light of the world, salt of the earth. That means we all have some form of influence. We are witnesses. Uh, we are examples. So we know we all have some form of influence in other people's lives. But there are offices that God gave uh, strictly for the perfecting of the saints, and for the edifying of the church. And so I want to make sure that I am doing it the way God wants me to do it so that people can be blessed because when it's right, it's right. And uh, it's, just, you know, it's just like this thing, you know, they want to do away with all the guns because they say guns kill people. And that statement's not true because guns don't rob stores and guns don't shoot people People, bad people who misuse guns, they rob stores, they hurt people, they kill people. The ministry isn't designed to kill, but there have been some ministers uh, uh, in, who have misused it and caused great harm. It's the same thing. You can't just say, well, we're just going to do away with all ministry in my life because I was hurt by a minister. That's not the way it works. Uh, you know, sometimes a man uh, may have... Uh, a calling on his life, and he might do something that hurt your feelings, or maybe he just uh, got in it in the wrong way, and he got off track, and he did hurt you. But that does not mean every single preacher is like that. You know, when we see these uh, high-profile preachers in the in the news, and we there's this scandal, they you know tax evasion, or they you know they embezzled you know twenty million dollars, and you know then all of a sudden all preachers are now embezzlers. Or if they get caught with a prostitute, now all, you know, uh, preachers are running around with a uh, prostitute. I mean, we all get lumped in together. And it's just not fair, and it's not true. And people, it hurts uh, the image of the ministry in the public eye so that people do not trust uh, preachers or ministry at all or churches at all. I'll just take care of myself. I'll stay home. I'll read my Bible. I don't need a voice in my life. But you do. Because the Bible says it takes, and God chose the foolishness of preaching to save men. Uh, how can they uh, have faith if they will not hear the preached word of God? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. And how can they hear without a preacher? Yes, they can read and be encouraged by God's word. They can be taught by God's word reading at their dining room table. 
Absolutely. But you need a minister in your life. Everyone needs a pastor because he is set up in a place to where he sees things that God is trying to show that he won't just show everybody. And so he has a voice, and he needs to make sure that what he's saying is from God, and that he's not making things up, trying to call and hold people under their thumb. No man should be your ruler or your dictator. Number one, if he's trying to be a ruler or a dictator over you, he's in the wrong profession. But if he is being a shepherd to you, or he is trying to feed you and lead you and nourish you and protect you and take care of you, that is priceless in your life. The relationship that I had, and I felt like it was way too brief, but that I had with my pastor uh, made the difference in who I am today. And uh, thank the Lord for some great men that are still here. Brother Larry, I count you as a great voice in my life. And um, the different men that uh, I heard over the years, Brother Philip Fuller, he's gone on now, but he was a, a great voice in my life. And then uh, even uh, Bishop Chavis and, and different ones. And now I've got people that, that I talk to on a regular basis that uh, just so I can hear someone who's an elder above me that can speak to me and talk to me and, and ask me how I'm doing and, and encourage me and tell me, hey, try this or don't do that. Or, you know, I, I, I need to hear it too. So I, uh, a minister doesn't get to stop. He never stops being a saint. And if the ministry was given for the perfecting of the saints, then he's got to be worked on too. But when we cut that voice out of our life, we do ourselves great harm and a very great disservice because we can never be the best that we would be without ministry speaking into our life. I'm saying that, and I want you to hear me again. If you cut ministry out of your life, you will never be the best saint of God that you could be. You'll never be just the best person that you could be without having a voice of ministry in your life because ministry is designed to help. I understand people are hesitant uh, to allow a minister to have a voice in their life because of past hurts and different things, but uh, you know, sometimes, they, like I said, they don't mind having a preacher say something that's going to lift me up, encourage me, and then I'm going to go on, but I don't want a voice. I don't want you uh, meddling. I don't want a pastor. Uh, you know, sometimes a pastor, he, he shouldn't all the time, but sometimes he has to meddle. He has to get in there and see what's going on. He, you know, if a, a shepherd has sheep, sometimes he's got to pull one aside and, and look around it and check it, make sure there's nothing wrong with it. He'll fill up his legs and he'll check behind his ears and, and check and make sure he doesn't have any wounds, any ticks, any bugs, any sores, anything like that, because he's got to make sure that this sheep is going to be all right. Sometimes a pastor has to meddle. It's not fun. Don't think, if a man enjoys doing that, he's crazy. I hate it. But sometimes we have to meddle. Sometimes we have to say, hey, what's wrong with you? It's not because we think that you're crazy or going off the railway, but a pastor knows his flock and he can tell. If you usually run back and forth across the front for three weeks, you've sat there and not done nothing, he knows something's going on. That's how it is. And so if he says, hey, you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. What do you mean? Don't do that. He loves you. He's trying to find out, hey, you okay? The ones that do that or the ones that don't answer, they're the ones that don't stay. That's You increase your probability of backsliding when you cut the voice of a shepherd out of your life. Absolutely. 
you increase it. Uh, people say, well, uh, you know, it's just like uh, people who s- they smoke all the time. They say, I ain't worried about lung cancer. I've been smoking all this time. Yeah, but your odds of getting it, you know, it's there because you keep going. Cut it out, now your odds are greater. Now I know people that have gotten lung cancer and never smoked a day in their life. I understand that how it happens, but I'm, I'm telling you, you increase the odds greatly when you do things that will damage your lungs. Uh, so the absence of that voice in your life, the insight, the instruction, the accountability will leave a hole that inspirational speakers cannot fill. Hey, guess what? Dr. Phil and Oprah can't take the place of a preacher. Well, I might as well hear it. They ain't, they, ain't a, they ain't a talk show host. They ain't a book writer. They ain't a politician that can take the place of the ministry because all those positions uh, are man-made, but apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are given from God. And when God gives it, it'll be right. It'll be good. I want everything. I want the love and the mercy and the peace. But you know what? Sometimes we feel the love of God from the ministry. Sometimes we feel the peace of God from the ministry. Sometimes we see the gifts of God through the ministry. And so we don't need to discount the ministry just because we think they're meddlesome or they're human. Because, yeah, they might be. But the office was given by God, and sometimes that's what the office entails. You know, sometimes it's just like uh, even man-made offices today. We've got, uh, I wish, uh, some, I know Brother Scotty ain't here, I don't guess, but uh, law enforcement guys, sometimes, you know, they're just, you, the only time you see them, they're sitting on the side of the road waiting to catch somebody speeding. No interaction. I'm going, I'm obeying the law. I'm going right past them. But sometimes they got to bust up in a house and and get in there and find out what's going on to enforce the law. That's part of the office. And sometimes in the office of these ministries, it's a little more than just sitting here so you can say, hey, look, there goes my pastor. Hey, there goes that evangelist. Sometimes you, know, you talk about, whoo, that evangelist came in and he read my mail. Well, it's always good as long as it's like a fortune cookie and you're going to be good for the next 20 years. But when he comes in and says, hey, you better cut that stuff out or, or you're going to have some trouble. Oh, he didn't know what he, he was off tonight. I don't know what he was talking about. And I have seen that happen in, in, uh, on both sides of the spectrum. I have seen God uh, talk through a man and use him in the gift of the word of knowledge and, and talk about blessings that were coming and watch those blessings unfold. And I have seen a man of God pull somebody aside and say, the Lord has showed me that if you don't stop doing this, you're going to have great trouble. And they ignored it. And guess what happened? They got great trouble. And that's awful. You don't ever want that to happen. I told a young man one time he was fixing to do something. He was going to make, make this decision. And it was the first time as pastor that I had to do this. And the, but I felt the Holy Ghost tell me so strong. When he told me what he was about to do, I said, if you do that, I'm telling you right now that you will backslide and you will leave the church. Oh, no, that won't happen. Well, I know what the Lord told me. You know, I'm thinking I hope it don't come to pass, but guess what? He hadn't been here in years, and he ain't in church nowhere now uh, because and it's like, oh, is that something to be? No, I'm not uh, gloating about that or boasting over that. I'm telling you 
when God puts a shepherd in your life and he tells you something like that, you would do good to take heed to it. Listen to what that voice is saying because he is your shepherd for a reason. He is put there for a reason. If he abuses that, him and God will have a conversation one day. God will take care of that. But do not cut ministry out of your life because one dummy uh, decided to do something on his own. Don't do that. It's, it's, it hurts my feelings. It aggravates me and irritates me to see people who are called to ministry when they abuse it. It's just it's the same way I, I get uh, as, as a, a man and a husband. Uh, if I see a, a, a husband mistreating his wife, it aggravates me because you're going to make all husbands look bad. You'll make all men look bad when you act like that. And that ain't the way you treat women. It ain't the way you especially treat your wife. But they do it anyway. And they, you know, it's it just frustrating and aggravating. Well, when people uh, who are called to pastor abuse their flock or abuse uh, the power that God gave them in that and the, the office that they're in, it's frustrating for me because I know that's only going to make it harder for me to pastor somebody because somebody's going to come in well, I came from a church. I've been around. I had a lot of church hurt, and I don't want to. You really? I just want to come and sit. I'll probably listen to the singing, and then I'm going to go because I just don't like preaching. It's sad because they are cutting a voice out of their life, and you need the prayers of a pastor that is set up on the wall to watch for things that are coming. And so, uh, when he's doing what's right, man, it's going to be so great. Listen, the only time you know, when Israel got in trouble is when they would not listen to the prophet. How many times did God send a prophet and said, you better not go out to battle. He'll throw him in the dungeon. I told you, he never says anything good to me. He always prophesying bad, throw him in the dungeon. Well, they went out and he died. The man got shot and killed. What did the prophet say? Don't do, don't go out to battle. But he went anyway. If he had listened, if they would have listened to the prophets so many times, uh, they would have been spared, but they did not listen, and it was the same thing. It was a voice that God had put in their life to protect his people. Uh, you know, they would, sometimes they wouldn't listen to Moses, or they would rebel against Moses. Uh, his own sister rose up against him because, I don't like who you married, Moses. Well, let's see how you like leprosy. Yeah, and now she's a leper. And she's like, wah, pray and fix this. And so, you know, Moses entreated God, and God said, well, yeah, but I'm going to let her sit outside the camp for about seven days and, and think about what she's done, and then we'll move on. And so, uh, you know, it's a man that is called to that office has got to learn, and uh, God knows who he's picking. A man can't call himself to it. God needs to pick them, and God needs to call them because if he does, then not only is the office perfect, but the man's perfect for the job. That does not mean he's flawless. He might, uh, you, know, there's a, you know, there's a lot of people that don't like Brother Jeff Arnold. I think he's one of the most incredible preachers I've ever heard. But he is crude. There ain't no doubt about it. He he. But he says things that only Jeff Arnold can say because that's who he is. That's where If I got up here and started saying, you know, so I'm going to just be like Jeff Arnold. Everybody likes him. People would be leaving left and right, you know, because I couldn't get away with saying some of the things that he says. That's just Jeff Arnold. And people see him, and uh, you know, they're like, 
man, I can't take him. I can't listen to him. That's awful. He shouldn't say stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, see, but that's him. But if you have listened to the entire message, you'd realize that it was probably one of the most inspiring messages ever preached. I said, you just got to learn to trim the fat, get the stuff that, ain't, that don't suit you off, and listen to the Word of God. He's incredible. And if you ever spend any time alone with him, and I have, you will find out that I don't know another person who has more passion for loving people and seeing them saved than that man. But it's just who he is. And he, like I say, that's what he does. It's, 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 and as he has a church down there. You know what? He couldn't pastor every church, but he can pastor his church because that's where God called him to pastor. And so if he couldn't come here and take over right here and pastor. It wouldn't work because uh, at first people might flock because, hey, it's Jeff Arnold, but full on, they'd leave because this is just not who's supposed to be here. God knows who ought to be where they are. So I want to make sure that I am doing it because when the minister is really fulfilling the calling that God gave, then it's priceless. Uh, Paul said it is for the perfecting. And uh, that word perfecting, of course, it means complete, but it means complete furnishing. And also it comes from a word that means to complete thoroughly, repair, or adjust. So he's saying the ministry, uh, sometimes it will help repair you. When you've gone through something, they will be there to help rebuild your life through prayer and preaching and loving you and showing you mercy and compassion or to adjust you, to help you get back on course, to, to be where you ought to be in your walk or to help you get into your place of ministry of your own. But it's not just uh, all preach, 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 take an offering and go home. It's concern for people. It's uh, you've got to love people and you've got to want to see them better. And that doesn't mean that uh, I always know what's best. People come up to me all the time. Hey, you know, what should I major in in school? I don't know. I, I'm not a guidance counselor. I'm not, uh, I don't have, what do you like? You know, what kind of job should I be looking for? One that pays. I, you know, uh, you know, it makes you money and that you like. I don't know. What do you, you like to do? You like dogs or cats? You like building stuff? What do you like? I don't know. Uh, it's, that's not in my wheelhouse. That's not part of pastor's uh, job to pick your vocation. Who should I marry, pastor? Well, <laughs> you know, uh, I can give you some general ideas about, hey, they need to be in church, they need to love the Lord, they need to be serving God, they need to love the truth, you know, things like this. But, hey, uh, I can't go picking them out and matchmaking and doing things like that. That's not, that's not part of my thing. That's not me. And, and don't lay that on your pastor. You know, and don't be upset when he says, hey, you don't need to date that person. Well, he's a really good guy. Is he in church? Well, no. I, I got nothing left to say. I, don't, I just won the argument right there as far as I'm concerned because uh, I, I'll, I'll say it. I'll stand by until the day I die. Church people, you, you marry church people. I didn't say you got to be inside these four walls. You might find them outside these four walls, but I'm, I'm not talking about building a commune and us being a bunch of freaks and FBI raiding us one day. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about marrying your sisters and, and cousins and things like that. I'm, I'm saying, but if you try to, uh, you, you got no business trying to uh, marry an atheist. Oh, they're so good looking, so nice, makes good money. Yeah, pull you right out of church. And then you'll be lost. 
what would it profit you if you gained the whole world or gained the best-looking guy or the richest guy or the richest girl or the best-looking girl if you lost your soul? Part of pastoring. Not very popular, but it's part of it. Stay out of my, stay out of my romantic life, pastor. Well, I just don't want to see you lost. But, you know, uh, if you tell me to stay out of it, I just might stay out of it. And I'll miss you when you're gone. But I'll pray for you. I'll put your name in the jar. pray for you to come back. It happens. Part of pastoring. Need to listen. Hey, I watched, uh, I watched my pastor tell a young lady uh, he refused to marry this couple. He had raised this young girl in his church from a baby. Newer, raised her. Newer parents, everything like that. Guy, they came in, talked to Brother Bart, said, we're going to get married. He said, I won't do it. Why? Because he don't believe like we believe. And he's going to take you out of this church. Oh, no, I wouldn't do that, Brother Bart. I wouldn't do that. He said, yeah. He said, you don't believe like us. He said, and after you're married, you'll take her out of this church. He said, and I will not join her. I've raised her, baptized her, uh, preached to her, taught her in this church, and I will not join her to you. It won't be me. So you know what they did? They eloped. She married to him today after he, he beat her, cheated on her, took her out of church. It happened. But listen to what that shepherd's saying. He knows. And, uh, you know, I thought, man, if I had grew up listening to somebody all my life that preached to me the salvation of my soul, surely I could listen to him about this. They didn't, and it happened just like he said it would happen. And so uh, I'm saying is that uh, when the ministry is doing it right, it's invaluable, the voice, because not only does it say things to lift you up and encourage you, but it also keeps you safe. It'll warn you. It's for the perfecting, to completely furnish you with all the knowledge you need to do the right things and make the right choices, to stay on path, to repair you, or to adjust where you are. I don't want to miss uh, the Lord because I wouldn't listen to the wisdom or the voice that God put in my life. I'm trying to figure it out on my own. We need that kind of counsel. In Proverbs, there's several places. I didn't give you these scriptures, so don't worry about this. But Proverbs 11 and 14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. God gave ministry so they could counsel their people. But he said, Where there is no counsel... People fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So, you know, when you have people that can speak into your life and, and speak the things that you need to hear, it's only going to bless you. But when you cut those voices of counsel off in your life and you're just flying solo, man, it ain't so long that you can keep it up in the air. It's, you're going to come down. You've got to uh, have that ministry. Well, I, I want his mercy. I want his grace. I want whatever that mansion is. He went away to prepare a place for me. I want that. He's going to give me that one day. I want all those things, but I don't want no preachers. I want no teachers. I, want no, I just want, I want a choir. I want singing. I want Sunday school for my kids, but I don't want no voice in my life. That's sad because that, that man, uh, if he is like he's supposed to be and he really loves you, he's praying that God gives him uh, the instruction that you need to be successful and to keep carrying on, and he's praying for you and loves you. That's, that's something you got to have. God gave us the ministry, and we can't deny this scripture. God gave the ministry. And so um, 
Paul said this in 2 Timothy. Listen how this lines up with uh, the thoroughly furnished. But in 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17, he reminds Timothy, from a child you've known the Holy Scriptures. Well, how did he ever know them to begin with? Because somebody was preaching them to him. Somebody was teaching them to him. Somebody was telling him about the Scripture. He said that can make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. So a minister is armed with the, the Word of God, the Scripture of God, the, the Word of God, and it's profitable for us. It's good for doctrine, help us to adjust, stay on track for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. So the man of God can be perfect, thoroughly furnished, or thoroughly furnished, or perfectly furnished, unto all good works, which is exactly what the ministry is for, for the perfecting or the complete furnishing uh, of the saints. He wants us to, be, to have everything so we don't have to say, well, I, I would have been all right, but I lack this. Not if you had that voice of ministry in your life. You wouldn't lack those things. There's a lot of things that born-again saints of God are missing because once they're born again, they never come back to church. That's sad because they miss the teaching, the preaching. It's not, it's not just missing the fellowship of your brothers and sisters and the saints of God, but, man, you're missing out uh, on, uh, on the Word of God that could change your life. I don't want to miss the things uh, of God that can change my life. In Ecclesiastes 12, these are just things that the minister should have uh, in order in his life to help the people. It says this is something that they should be doing. Ecclesiastes 12, 9 through 11. Moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. So they needed a preacher that could teach knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in ornament in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words. You can't just get up here and preach anything you want to preach and just say something and call it preaching. He said, You've got to preach acceptable words. I have a sign hanging on the wall in my office. And uh, Brother Mangan said this at a, because of the times a few years ago, and it says, I don't have a sermon to waste. And every morning and every evening that I'm here studying, getting ready for uh, to come out and preach, I, I look at that sign and I remember. I, tonight could be somebody's night. Tonight or this morning could be somebody's morning. I can't just pull something out of the file and say, hey, it's been a while. Let's dust this off and just preach this again. I've got to find something that's going to be good for the people that are in the service that day. And so the preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as gold's and as nails fastened by the master of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. So uh, it's there to, well, you, sometimes you use nails uh, to build and to repair. And sometimes these words that that preacher's preaching is going to help repair and, and fix and take care of things and, and put something new in your life. If he is actually searching out those acceptable Words. He needs to make sure that he is. In 1 Corinthians 14 and 10, uh, it tells us that there are many kinds of voices in the world and none of them is without signification. It means each one has a significance. That means uh, every uh, apostle, 
His voice is significant. Prophet, evangelist, pastors, teachers. Each one has a voice, and each one of them is not without significance. Uh, it says if every trumpet just sounded the same, then you wouldn't know, if, hey, is that an alarm, or is that wake-up call? Uh, you know, what is that? Everything sounded the same, but uh, every voice uh, has meaning. That means the voice of ministry has meaning in your life. You need to make sure that uh, you are listening to the voices. Yeah, there's many voices out there. Make sure you're listening to the voices that are perfecting you, edifying you, lifting you up, teaching you, repairing you, adjusting you. Yeah, those kind of things that are keeping you better. Second Corinthians 5 and 20 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though Christ did beseech you by us. And so we pray you, or we're begging you, we're pleading with you in the Christ's stead in his place for you to be reconciled to God. When a man is in the ministry, then he is, uh, because Jesus is not walking around in the flesh on this earth anymore, but now these ministers in his stead or in his place are telling people, be reconciled to God. They, they're trying to make you better, trying to get you saved. They're not trying to hurt you, tear you down, destroy you. If they are, then they are not probably really called to the ministry. They just picked up the office and decided this is a good way to make a living or an easy way to make a living. I'll just you know, start a church, gather some people, get some good music and singing, and I'll take an offer every week, and I don't really have to do much. That's a sad way, and you're going to be in trouble one day when you stand before the Lord. Uh, it's not meant to be a vocation where it's just supplying you uh, with money. You are uh, supposed to uh, preach and love and feed the flock of God because God called you to do it. And so uh, Paul also said it was for the edifying of the church. And when I looked up the word edifying, it, it means architecture, confirmation, or a building, a dwelling, a home. And so the ministry has to do with the building the church, the church of the living God and, and the building. You know, Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Well, he is building it through his ministry, five-fold ministry. He's using it to build. To, to uh, It's like a dwelling. It's like a home. It's uh, dealing with architecture, it's with the structure. If there is no ministry in your life, there is no structure in your life. Now, I'm, I'm talking about structure that matters. You can say, well, oh, I'm very structured. I have a workout regimen. I, I go to work five days a week, nine to five. I clock in, clock out. I eat supper. I'm very structured. So I'm talking about you have no structure that's going to get you home one day. You have no structure to help you with uh, the crisis of life and the things that are coming your way or the things that are going on in your walk with God because you have no ministry in your life. But God gave the ministry. And I'm so thankful today for the calling into ministry, and I'm thankful for the ministry that I've had that have spoken to my life time and time again. You know, back before, some of you that were here with us at the beginning in the other building uh, will remember when they came and locked our doors and put us out of our building. For nine months, they kicked us out of our building, Clark County did. Two weeks before that, I was at a conference in Louisiana, and an evangelist that I had never seen before, met him there. He came and was praying for me during the altar service. And he said these words. He said, the city that your church is in is going to try to destroy you. They're going to come against you. But God said, don't worry. I'm going to take care of it. 
Two weeks later, Clark County came and hung a pink slip on our door and said, you cannot have church in this building anymore. And I thought, well, that part, if that part came to pass, the other part will. Well, nine months, we moved to the Lion's Den and then to the barbecue church and then back home. Nine months to the Sunday. I said, nine months is the time that usually it takes for a woman to be delivered of a child. I said, we're going to come in here and have a delivery service. And we showed back up nine months later, and we were twice the size that we were uh, when uh, they shut the doors on us in that place. And so we went from about 35 people to about 70 people in that nine months, and it grew like that. But God knew what he was doing, and I listened. I could have freaked out. And lost my mind. Said, "Well, I guess that's it. God's just uh, doors are shut. We must not be meant to be here. Or anything." But I listened to what the ministry said. That voice said in my life uh, spoke to me in a time that I needed it. I thank God for men who listen to the voice of God and will speak to me what God said. I will never cut that voice of instruction and wisdom out of my life because I simply cannot be my best without it. We've got to have that. Listen, you know what? Uh, I, I love my, my kids and, and my wife, and, and I can speak to them as a dad and as a husband, but you know what they need more than dad and husband sometimes? They need ministry. They need a preacher to speak into their life. They need a preacher to preach to them and pray for them and, and say some things to them and speak in their life. They need that because, and I can't, I'm not going to deny them that because God gave the ministry. And, uh, yeah, we, we give instructions. Well, somebody tells you something. And you're like, whoo, I don't know about that. Well, then just wait to see if it comes to pass. If it does, there you go. But if not, you just move on. Sometimes people miss it. Sometimes people never knew it, <laughs> never had it. Had a guy one time come up. He said he was a preacher. I, I'm just telling you he said he was. What I thought about it don't really matter, but I'll tell you this. He come up and said, hey, we need to pray for brother. Me and this guy were talking one evening in the altar, and he said, we really need to pray for your, not mine, but the other guy, we need to pray for your father-in-law. He's got a, Lord show me, he's got a bad sinus infection, and he really needs prayer tonight. And that brother looked at him and said, well, my father-in-law's been dead for a year. And he said, well, I guess I missed that one, and just walked on like it wasn't just matter of fact. And I thought, we looked at each other like, did that just happen? But it did. And, and you know his, his reaction? Guess I missed that one. How many other people was he telling people, things to, causing people to get off track? And go, oh, you got to be careful. But oh, when it works right, it's so invaluable. Oh, you, you just can't put a price on it. it, it oh, man, I, I think some of the words of wisdom and instruction that I got that kept me Sometimes people I didn't know uh, that, or really knew very well, but I would just be about to jump the gun, and they'd say, "Brother, be patient. It's not your time yet." I, I could have got offended. Well, I, I I think I've prayed enough and fasted enough, stood enough. I think it I think it'd be all right. But I would just listen and say, "Okay, I'm going to pull back." And many times I did that, and because I did, I'm not pastoring somewhere else right now, or either backslidden out of church because I went somewhere to pastor and it flopped because it wasn't where I was supposed to be. But I waited until this door opened until it was the right one. And when it was the right one, a man that I trust 
tremendous. I always trusted him. He's passed away now, but he called me and told me, said, this is what God showed me, that place where there's not a church, but they want you to start a church. That's where you need to go. You're going to be starting from the ground up. And that's a scary thought, especially when I had about four offers of established churches that said, hey, come on, we'll give you a house. Church is paid for. Congregation's already built up. Just need you to come on in and take it. Very tempting. But I wanted what God wanted because I needed to be right. So I listened, and we have what we have here today, and I thank God for it. Thank God for it because if we hadn't have come, might not be a missionary to Ireland taking off right now. Some of you might not even be in church today, not because of me, but because God built a church and God knew what he was doing right here. So when a man of God, when he's right and what he's been called to do, it's, it's priceless. What he contributes to us as individuals and to the church body as a whole cannot be taken for granted. In um, Acts, I'm going to be getting ready to be done here. This is my last page, so don't worry. You might be tired of hearing about the, about the preacher tonight. But in Acts chapter 20, Paul was such a, uh, man, what an incredible time to have lived probably during his ministry and traveled with him. But uh, he made an impact on people. And in Acts chapter 20, in verse 25, he said, Now, behold, I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. So he'd been preaching to people. He said, you're not going to see my face anymore. Wherefore, I take you to record this day I'm pure from the blood of all men. Sometimes people don't understand that uh, a, a preacher is going to be held responsible for what he preaches and what he does not preach. It's not just what he preaches, uh, but it's what he doesn't preach uh, that, can, uh, that God's looking at. And even Scripture says that if you don't preach these things and people perish by it, then I will require their blood at your hand. So uh, don't be too hard on your preacher when he's preaching those tough messages. He's trying to make sure that he can say, I'm pure from the blood of all men. He said, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. That's very important as a, an effective preacher, one that people will trust, that you are preaching the counsel of God. Uh, take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. Feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Feed them. Feed them. Don't beat them. Don't kill them. Feed them. He said, For I know this, that after my departing, grievous wolves will enter in among you, not sparing the flock. If you lose your pastor or you lose that ministry voice in your life, you better be careful what comes in next. Because it'll devour you. Yeah. It'll eat you up. Be careful. Uh, well, I, I'm going to get rid of my, my, my preacher and my pastor in my life, and I'm, gonna let, I'm just going to listen to so-and-so. You better be careful. He said, also, of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, draw away disciples after them. So watch and remember, by the space of three years, I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver, gold, or apparel. Yea, you yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities, and to them that were with me I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than receive. When he has thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all, and they all wept sore, fell on Paul's neck, and kissed him. And they were sorry, most of all, for the words that he spake, that they would see his face no more. 
That was the kind of impact Paul had on their life. The fact that he was going to be gone and they wouldn't see him and hear from him anymore was tormenting to them. It was heartbreaking to them because this man had been invaluable to them for about three years, preaching to them and warning them day and night, telling them the things that they needed to hear from God. You can't do without that preacher in your life. You need that preacher in your life. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 24, he said, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive uh, by him at his will. He's only trying to teach you. He's trying to protect you, trying to keep you out of the snare of the devil. That's what ministry, true ministry will do for you. It will teach you and it'll be patient with you. It'll instruct you when you're, when, you know, sometimes like, oh, the devil's doing this to me and that one's doing it. Sometimes it's just us opposing ourselves. We're making the wrong decision because we're trying to live unto ourselves. But uh, Proverbs 12 and 15 says that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes but he that hearkens unto counsel is wise. And so we can try to live by ourselves, but it's going to be hard. Uh, it won't make it. But um, if we will listen to that voice that God's put in our life. Uh, so uh, the Scripture says for us to feed the flock. The Lord looked at Peter and said, Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed, feed them. Give them what they need. The lambs need stuff that they can grow. The sheep need stuff so they can continue on. Take care of them. But it's hard for the man of God to feed sheep that refuse to eat because you can't force them or if they're never present to eat. I better move on from that one. But we will stunt our spiritual growth if we cut the ministry out of our lives. There are several instances, and I'm getting ready to wind down right here, that... Um, show the influence of ministry and how needed it was when you read, especially in the book of Acts. But uh, Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, devout man, feared God, prayed all the time, gave alms to the people. That's a great guy, but he wasn't saved. What do you mean? Well, he wasn't saved because the angel of the Lord showed up and said, listen, God's hearing you pray, seeing what you're doing. He didn't let the angel tell him. He didn't reveal it to him. Well, he said, send for Peter so he can come and tell you and your house words whereby you may be saved. And so you know what they did? They sent for Peter. And here was a man that prayed all the time and gave all. He was a good guy. I'm sure everybody was patting him on the back and, and letting him know what a good guy he was. He said, but I still need the voice in my life that will tell me what to do to be saved. He needed the voice of Peter the minister of God, to come and tell him what's it going to take for me to be saved. John's disciples in, Ephesians, in the, uh, Acts chapter 19, they were John's disciples, followed John devoutly, baptized under his baptism. Probably thought, hey man, John was, he was the forerunner. God said there would never be another prophet like him. But they needed to hear what Paul had to say so they could be saved. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? No, but we're John's disciples. 
the one that said, behold, the Lamb of God. That's who we are. That's who, who we follow. But instead of doing that, they listened. Paul didn't have any power to make them believe. But you know what? When they submitted to the message and listened to what he had to say, they were all baptized in Jesus' name, and Paul laid his hands on them. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says Apollos was a great man, eloquent, mighty preacher, and, and just doing all these kind of things and was, was great. Aquila and Priscilla heard him and realized he wasn't quite where he needed to be, and so they came to uh, show him the way of God more perfectly. Now, he could have got offended. Hey, I've been doing this a long time. You see all this crowd I get when I preach and when I do, but instead he listened, and so to perfect his ministry, he had some other voice of ministry that came in and spoke to him, and you read about Apollos uh, in the scripture, he's referenced in Paul's letters in different places. And even Peter, that had the keys to the kingdom, preached the message on the day of Pentecost. Uh, you know, remember what we said? Sometimes that ministry is there to adjust because Peter would hang out with the Gentiles as long as no Jews were around. But as soon as the Jews showed up, he jumped off and started, wouldn't have anything to do with the Gentiles, and Paul saw him do it. And Paul said in one of his letters, I would stood Peter to his face because he was to be blamed. He didn't hate Peter. He didn't, wasn't there to humiliate him or embarrass him. He said, this ain't right. Because you're making all these other people you know, follow you in, in this error. It's not right. So he said, I withstood him. Peter needed Paul to withstand him and correct him and adjust him so he did not stay in error. Yeah. Let's see, that ain't it great. Uh, how it, it fixed Peter and how it did. And, and Peter references Paul in his letters. He, he, he didn't hold it against Paul. He, he, he knew that he wasn't right. Just like he knew he wasn't right when the Lord had to rebuke him. He, just, he knew that he had flaws. But he was the man that was supposed to carry the keys. That's why Jesus chose him. And so uh, I'm thankful for ministry. I'm thankful that God gave apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers for the perfecting, to, to make us perfect and thoroughly furnished, to complete us. Uh, it, I, I want to live a life where uh, incomplete. I don't want to live my life for God and feel incomplete. Um, but, you know, people that are always saying, you know, I'm just not really, really getting fulfilled. You know, I, I, I went to church, I got saved, but this ain't really that fulfilling to me. Well, it's because you separated yourself from the body and from the, the ministry and from the preaching. And if you'd have stayed where you could be fed, people always go where there's good food. Yeah, you got a restaurant that you go to often. Well, you go there because the food's bad. Or you go there just so you waiter or waitress or just hang out with people. Or you go to eat. And it fills you up and it's good. It's good food. And that's when you have a place where you can be fed and it's encouraging you and helping you to grow. It's, you know, those that have children, you're watching your children grow in the Lord and, and, and learn about ministry, and they're just they're walking the Lord's developing. You know you're in the right place when you're in a place like that. So we thank God for it. Paul told Timothy, and you can stand with me, to make full proof of his ministry. In 2 Timothy, he told him, he said, you need to make full proof of your ministry. Every minister... And some of you young men in here is preaching and you listen to me. You make full proof of your ministry. Don't you, don't you halfway do it. Don't you just 
well, I got the calling and that's enough. I got the card and that's enough. I got the license, that's enough. That ain't enough. It ain't enough. You make full proof of it. It means to carry out fully. You finish the drill. You do what you're supposed to do. You pray and fast and you seek acceptable words. You don't just, uh, let me flip this book open and see, oh, yeah, I can jump on this right here. I can do all things through Christ. Everybody shouts on that. No. If he said to preach about uh, all liars will find themselves a place in the lake that burns with fire, then you preach about that. But if he says to preach about uh, being filled with the Holy Ghost, and you preach about that, but don't you just jump in here and throw out words like that? Uh-uh, that ain't what you do. You know, be careful. We, we're careful in everything we do. Driving, you know, when we, when we hunt, they say, you know, they, the first thing they teach you when you're shooting out in the woods, unless you have a clear target, you don't shoot, you don't shoot through bushes rattling, you know, shaking. And a lot of people have been killed like that. See a flash of something, pow, not sure of the target. You don't jump up here and just start shooting. You kill somebody. Make sure you got what's going to be the best for that, that group today. So this world we live in today, Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, perilous times are coming. They're going to start heaping teachers to themselves, having itching ears. They, they're not going to endure sound doctrine anymore. He said, but you keep preaching. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, because what this world still needs today, what every individual saint of God still needs today, is ministry in their life. I'm thankful for the mystery. Let's lift our hands and just thank the Lord and pray tonight. Lord, we are thankful for all the gifts that you give us every day. Lord, I'm thankful for the men of God and the women of God that have prayed for me and spoke to me, encouraged me, preached to me. And Lord, I'm thankful for this group of people in this church that you've called me to preach to. Lord, let us appreciate these gifts of ministry. Lord, and realize that they have a, a distinct, significant voice in our life and they'll help us. Lord, we don't want to be lacking, but we want to be thoroughly furnished under good works. And we know the ministry is going to help us with that. So we bless your name tonight, Lord, and we thank you for all these things. Keep us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We appreciate you, Lord. Appreciate you so much. All right. Hey, thank you for being in Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, if you're going to help with the prayer drive-in on Saturday, that is from 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock. And I think Sister Tafar is in the youth class, but you can see her if you have any questions about that. So remember to invite somebody or tell somebody about it. I'd love to, I, I sure hope somebody drives by. Uh, it should be kind of depressing if we sit out here for two hours and nobody shows up. So uh, I guess we'll pray for each other, but hey. It's new. We're trying out things. We'll see how it works. But uh, let's pray that it's a success. Don't forget to pray for Sister Jamie. She'll be leaving out uh, late tomorrow night, about 10, 30, 10, 20 tomorrow night, uh, flying off. So we're praying God's going to bless and take care of her. We love you. You're going to do great things. We appreciate uh, all that God's doing through you. I love you, church. Praise God. Remember to pray for those that are sick. And if the Lord don't come and get us, we'll see you Sunday morning. God bless you, and you can be dismissed in Jesus' name.